Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. A science story, huh? And I just thought, well, I figured it out. It was that golden moment because science was on my side. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. We are your hosts, Aaron Barker and Liz Neely. And this week we're presenting stories about crushes. Mm, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing better in the world of like feeling obsessed with someone and being delighted by everything they do. It's like the whole world is sparkling and you're extra alive. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a reason, you know, scientifically why it feels good to have a crush, right? Well, I mean, sure, like our brain chemistry, <laughs> we're just awash in like dopamine and endogenous opioids and it's all, all that ooey gooey yeah. good brain chemistry stuff. You gotta love those endogenous opioids. <laughs> I mean, they're a hell of a drug. <laughs> I was thinking about this because like when you're in the midst of a crush, you're so in it. And uh, crushes can come on all shapes and sizes, right? Like romantic and personal, but also scientific. Erin, I dug up a paper that I absolutely fell in love with the first time I read it. Are you ready for this? I'm going to read you a sentence. (laughs) All right. All right. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. It's about the hidden curriculum in graduate education. And if that wasn't enough to like get you going right, yeah. They say, medicine asserts its autonomy and professional control by staving off interference and regulation from outside forces such as other healthcare workers and the government. And here we go. Wait, brace for it. In addition, and as icing on the cultural authority cake, medicine also controls the work of other healthcare occupations. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm in love. Damn, Michaela and Hafferty. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Makes me feel uh, alive. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. I, I hope that you and this paper will be very happy together. <laughs> it's changed my life. So today we're going to hear about crushes from our two storytellers. Do you want to introduce the first one now? Oh, I do. Our first story is from Devin Kotsis. It was recorded in April 2019 at Wild Detectives in Dallas, Texas. This was our first home stage show in Dallas, produced through our partnership with the Dallas Morning News. It was made possible by the generous support of Lida Hill Philanthropies. My first day of kindergarten, I wore my absolute best shorts. They were pink, and they looked like slices of watermelon, and they had little black seeds sewn on them. Ah, yes, I see someone else is excited about these shorts. (laughs) 
And I also wore my favorite National Geographic t-shirt. I came in that first day with a plan. And so when Miss Sands announced it was time for recess, I put it into action. I jumped up on top of the blue circle table and I said, come on girls, let's go get us some boys. (laughs) And I ran out to that dusty expanse of a playground because you see, I had stayed up late the night before watching a documentary on the Topi antelope. And for those of you unfamiliar with this incredible creature, the female Topi antelope is unique because she pursues the males. (laughs) And I had found my prey. James Samuelson, this little black flap of hair, kind of blew in the back of his neck in the wind, and I saw him running and I said, that one is mine. And so I took off, sprinting after him. And this kid looks back and sees this chunky little kid in pink shorts sprinting towards him, just very sweaty. And he has no idea why I'm chasing him, but he is very scared. And he starts running faster, but it's too late. I had already gained the ground and I got on top of him and I went to put my mouth on his mouth. And just as I got close, he punched me in the stomach and said, why are you so weird? And I'd really like to say that my relationship with the male members of our species improved between kindergarten and when I was a sophomore zoology major at Florida State. Uh, I certainly had more to work with. I grew some up top, I grew some behind. I got these guys all straightened out. So I was looking really good. And by the time I was in college with my 4.0 GPA in zoology, I was great at getting male members of the species into corners with me at parties. I could attract them. And as soon as they would get in, and I would say something normal like, hmm, how's the weather out there? They would get close, and like clockwork it would happen. Maybe they have a butterfly on their shirt that I've studied, or putting their arm up, there is a snake tattoo crawling towards their wrist. And as they would get closer, it would come up like hot lava, and I couldn't stop it, and I would say, did you know that the snake on your arm is a lot like a tree snake that can be found in the Amazon. And the coolest thing about that snake is that it can open its jaws really wide, swallow an egg whole, use a reverse vertebrae to crack open the shell, suck out the yolk, and spit out the shell hole. And they would fade into the distance. And I would go home to my six herpetology books, my 4.0 GPA, and I would look up my favorite animal to research when I was feeling solitary, the Pacific giant octopus. If you have never Googled, I highly recommend. They're incredible, these large, brilliant, intellectually brilliant creatures with eight flowing tentacles. I was just enraptured with these creatures. I had notebooks full of printouts about them, pictures up on my wall like a rock band. I could not get enough, and I thought one day, One day, I will not come home to this octopus. (laughs) One day, I will come home to a human man. (laughs) That day did not occur before the summer of my sophomore year in college. So by the summer of my sophomore year, I had gone home. I was invited to a toga party, which is, I suppose, what normal college kids go to. And I said, okay, you're going to do it. I wrapped myself in what can only be justified as a tea towel. I... fluffed my hair really big and I looked in the mirror and I said, Devin, you're gonna go to this party. 
you're gonna say normal things to men. <laughs> you are not gonna say any fun animal facts tonight, young lady. <laughs> and you are gonna put your mouth on one of their mouths. <laughs> and so I went to the party. It was a friend of a friend's house and everything is bumping and jumping and everyone is sweaty and wrapped in sheets and so I kind of slid along the back wall, kind of staying away from all the bodies until I had some liquid courage in me. I made it to the kitchen, took a few shots, uh, and I was feeling pretty good. I was making eye contact with a guy in Power Ranger sheets in the corner. I figured, yeah, that's probably about as good as it's going to get tonight, so we'll do it. And then just as I am getting ready and I am looking over, I hear someone shout, make way for Zeus. And he rises out of the crowd. Brown, rippling, milky blue eyes, a tongue lolling outside of his mouth. It was the most incredible chocolate lab I'd ever seen. <laughs> and he was being carried by a very drunk young blonde man through the crowd teetering drunkenly with the dog above his head. And I knew I had to pet that dog. <laughs> and I watched as the boy carried the dog out to the lawn amidst all the partiers and released him like a drunken merman onto the grass. And then he reached into his toga and pulled out eardrops and put eardrops in the dog and rubbed his ears and said, good boy, Zeus, you're such a good boy. I love you so much. And we had a change of plans, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I was going to put my mouth on his mouth. The man, not the dog. <laughs> so, I grab the bottle from behind, and I go teetering out to the lawn. And I sit down next to the blonde boy, and I say things like, the weather is nice, and do you think that young woman vomiting in the bushes is gonna make it through the night? And we're chatting, we start talking about movies and books and the Salvador Dali tattoo on his arm, and it's going great. He's getting closer and closer and closer to me, and he puts his arm behind me, and I'm thinking, you're gonna do it. It's gonna happen, you're gonna put your mouth on his mouth, and then your parts on his parts, it's gonna be amazing. And then he says, oh, you brought the Kraken rum out. I love Kraken rum. And he pulls the bottle in front of my face that I had brought out, and lo and behold, on it, emblazoned on the paper wrapper, is a Kraken. For those of you unfamiliar with Kraken rum, on it is an eight-legged creature attacking a ship. Some might say it looks just like a great Pacific octopus. <laughs> and I say nothing. I take whatever is inside of me and I squish it as small as I can and I am just looking in the dark at his face and he says, oh, I love octopuses. I would love to go to the Atlanta Aquarium. Did you know, Devin, that the Atlanta Aquarium hosts singles night sleepovers and I really want to go and my plan was always to go and camp out near the octopus tank because I knew whatever woman I met there would probably be really cool. <laughs> and I said, oh. <laughs> and I can feel the fire coming up and I am pushing it down and he says to me, did you know 
that the giant Pacific octopus, when it has a head the size of a softball, can fit through it, and folks, it's done. The fire is up in my throat now. There is no controlling what is about to happen. I grab him and I shout, say, fit through a hole the size of a nickel. <laughs> Floodgates open, team. And then I'm like, did you know that the male member of the octopus species has a specialized arm that can use to transfer sperm packets to the female partner called a hectocotillus? And he said, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and then he reaches and has the bottle in front of me and he says, here, I'll make sure that gets into recycling for you. <laughs> and uh, it's been, what, nine years now, baby? That's right, I brought a surprise husband into the audience. <laughs> we actually just celebrated our four-year wedding anniversary this week. <laughs> oh, more applause, this is great. <laughs> Baby, I think you're more popular than the story is, I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, so, the thing is, honey, you have followed me everywhere. You have picked me up and shipped me across the country to train animals, to pursue a degree in journalism, to live my life as I needed to. And you have never asked me to be anything other than exactly who I am. You have even allowed me to wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning because I found that really great article about sperm whale song and you had to know that it's the poetry of the animal kingdom. <laughs> So I guess if there was something I wanted to say to you tonight, in front of everybody here, is that when the southern chorus frog goes to spawn in the spring, <laughs> they go down to a pond nearby, and they go and they scream for their mates at night, top of their little frog lungs. But the thing is, everybody else, every other frog species in the area also goes to the same pond and they scream and scream and scream. And so from the outside, what you're hearing is the spring peepers and the wood frogs and the southern chorus frogs all screaming for each other. And it just sounds like pennies in a can, like a horrible cacophony of noise. And you think, how could anybody find their partner and all that, all that sound? But the thing is, baby, frog ears are special. At these little tympanum, these freaky little trampolines, and they are tuned only to the sound of their own kind. So everything else is drowned out. I was screaming for so long before I met you. I'm just really glad your freaky little ears <laughs> were tuned into my song. Thank you. That was Devin Kodzis. Devin has a degree in biological sciences and is a graduate student. Her professional experience is in teaching, animal training, educational outreach, and science program design. But her passions include reading about food and shouting at the Antiques Roadshow with her cat. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Devin is such a delight. I got to be in the room for the show down in Dallas since it was the first one and just everybody was in tears. Oh, I cried so hard. I was just like, it's so beautiful with their little frog ears. <laughs> oh, the freaky little frog ears. Every now and then, biology is actually romantic. <laughs> sure. Every, we'll we'll yeah. say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got you got to seize these few opportunities. <laughs> we were talking on the uh, Story Collider team Slack channel today about our crushes from science history. Oh, so good. Uh, we were all sharing. Yeah, we had uh, some shout outs for Rorschach. Uh, very handsome of Inkblot fame. <laughs> we... Um, I personally was uh, drawn to James Collop, one of the discoverers of insulin. Mm, right. We had votes yeah. for Oliver Sacks. And yeah, yeah, young Oliver Sacks on a motorbike featured as hot. part of this <laughs> discussion. <laughs> <laughs> on Ada Lovelace, uh, George Washington Carver. So many, so many amazing brains, so many amazing people. <laughs> And our next story today is actually from one of our very own producers, Mesa Salida, down in Atlanta. So we're super excited to share it with you today. Uh, this story was recorded in March 2019 at the Highland Inn and Ballroom Lounge in Atlanta. The show that night was presented as part of the Atlanta Science Festival, and the theme was Chosen Family. I'm in my first quarter of grad school, and every Monday, Wednesday, Friday starts off the exact same way, 8 a.m. structural in organic chemistry. Now, this is supposed to be my favorite class because I love this shit, um, but it ends up being my professor just droning monotonously for an hour with 20-year-old slides uh, that he puts up on this ancient overhead projector. It's not fun, and it's not fun to have it at 8 a.m., but I am a rule follower, and uh, if I am taking a class, I show up every day. It's maybe a couple weeks in that one of my classmates, his name is Khalid, he strolls up to me, and he's like, hey, can I borrow your notes? And I am a very nice person, and I was an exceptionally good note taker, and I was eager to show this off, and so I'm like, yes, and I whip open my three-ring binder, and I find the right divider tab, and like find these perfectly colored-coded notes, and I hand them over to him. And I guess he really likes them, because uh, a couple days later, he asked to borrow them again. And I, I'm still nice, and so uh, I, I hand them over again, maybe a little bit less eagerly. Uh, but this time, when I look at him, I notice that he looks remarkably well slept. Uh, it's very clear to me that he is not waking up for this 8 a.m. class. <laughs> a couple more days pass, and he asks again. And this time I just looked at him, and I was like, dude, why don't you just try waking up? And Khalid laughs like it's the funniest thing he's ever heard. But me, I don't think it's funny at all. I mean, this whole grad school thing is not going how I imagined it. I thought I'd fit in better. I thought I'd make friends faster. Um, I just really miss my college life. I really miss my boyfriend, Mac. Um, Mac and I have been together since freshman year, and Mac's not at all like college. He's like nothing I've met, no one I've met at Northwestern, really. Mac is 
Well, he's exactly how you'd imagine a Mac to be. Uh, if everyone could close their eyes for uh, a second and picture a Mac. Um, and I feel pretty sure that about 75% of us in this room are imagining the same person. <laughs> he's big, 6'2", six 6'4", six maybe, but not like tall and like he's got heft. And he drives a big red pickup truck. He likes to fish and he listens to country music. Now, I never thought of myself as somebody who would date a Mac. I like to spend my weekends in museums, not watching NASCAR, that's for sure. Um, I, you can't trace my American lineage back to the Civil War and beyond. <laughs> I am first generation American and I speak Persian at home with my family and I most definitely do not listen to country music. But somehow, we work. And uh, when we graduated, uh, and we decided to go to separate schools for graduate school, him to West Virginia for law school, and me to Chicago for chemistry graduate school, it felt heartbreaking. It still feels heartbreaking. But it's OK. There's, there's some things about my new life that I really do love. Um, I've really fallen in love with Chicago. It feels like there is always something to do here and that anything is possible in this city. As for Mac, he ends up in about as opposite a place as you can imagine. Um, when I go visit him and we walk around, there's no hustle and bustle. Strike that, we never walk, we drive. And often for miles and miles without seeing much of anything, it's about as opposite as you could get from the life that I'm living. And it's hard to understand how we've drifted physically into such different spaces. But it's OK. We're, we're going strong. We talk every night. We have visits planned every couple months. And it's all right. So um, and as, as time passes, it's, it feels a little bit better. Um, we get adjusted to our new lives. And uh, the distance starts to feel a little bit less hard. I start to make friends. and. Uh, Weirdly, I've even become friends with Khalid. I mean, he's still an annoying moocher. Um, and he's maybe the most disorganized person I've ever met in my life. Uh, you know Pigpen from the uh, Peanuts comic strip? And that cloud of dust that follows him? That's like Khalid, except a cloud of chaos instead of dust. Now, I'm calling him Khalid, but really his name is Khalid. He's Jordanian, he's not at all tall, he doesn't fish, and he'd have no clue where to find his local honky-tonk, if he even knew what that was. Um, and I have to admit that despite my distaste in his disorganization, I do think he's quite cute. <laughs> but that does not matter. I am meant to marry Mac, and Khaled is meant to take his tornado of chaos somewhere far away from me. But we do this thing in our second year of grad school called a qualifying exam, and as we're preparing for it, we start spending a lot of time together, and I find myself getting completely sucked up by his tornado instead of in the storm shelter where I'm supposed to be hiding and pining for Mac. And I don't know how this happens to me because I am not a big drinker, but the night we pass our qualifying exam, I find myself at a bar, drunk, and snuggled up in his lap. <laughs> From what my friends say the next morning, uh, he didn't seem to mind it at all. 
Um, but I am horrified. I mean, I have a boyfriend. He has a girlfriend. I was drinking. Who am I? Not this person. I know. And then it happens again. And then I find myself looking for any and every reason to go to shitty bars with my friends just so I can get chummy with this guy who, oh my God, is so cute, but really entirely wrong for me. <laughs> but is he? I mean, just because he's a ball of chaos and I'm scheduled to a T, I mean, he makes me laugh all the time, and that's great. Um, we found a million commonalities between our Arab and Persian cultures. We both like science, and we can actually talk to each other about what we're doing. In fact, it kind of feels like we can talk to each other about anything. My 24th birthday rolls around, and uh, I decide the best way to celebrate is at a downtown Chicago dueling piano bar. <laughs> I told you anything was possible in this city. Um, and in the midst of the many margaritas I had in me, or let's be real, it was probably two, I'm a lightweight, um, I decide that I'm not just going to snuggle with this guy, I am going to kiss him. But despite being drunk, I'm still smart, and I recognize that the optics of this are not good. I mean, I still have a boyfriend, he maybe has a girlfriend, uh, and I need to come up with a plan. So, I hatch one. I decide that I'm going to kiss as many people as possible <laughs> so that when I kiss him, he's just one of many. And no one will know. So I get myself fired up. I, uh, I dance my ass off to one of the piano duelers playing Madonna's Like a Prayer. And, uh, and then I enact the plan. First, I kiss my roommate, Andrea. Then I kiss some random old dude named Tony. <laughs> and then I laser in on my target. And I am just about to do the deed when Andrea yanks me out of the bar. You see, I had a good plan. Some of you might say brilliant. Um, but I neglected to remember that Andrea is very smart. She has an extremely strong moral compass, and she was going to see right through me. So she yanks me out of the bar, and she says, Mesa. What are you doing? I can't stand by and watch you do this to Mac. It's not fair. And she was right. Flirtation, friendship, all of it, it had to stop. I was not being fair to this man that I loved. So the next morning when I wake up and Andrea's words are echoing in my brain, I resolve no more Khalid. And I have the perfect opportunity to make things right again because a week after planned kiss everyone at the bar falls apart, <laughs> I am set to go to my alma mater and meet Mac for a weekend birthday celebration. And so I go and I feel determined that I am going to make things right again. And it feels super weird and very, very hard, but I'm trying. I'm pushing those feelings down and we're walking around campus and it's, lovely. And then I realized that he is leading me to the bridge. 
See, there's this really picturesque bridge on campus, and legend has it if you walk over it with somebody, you're going to marry them. And I freak. And I beg, please, let's not go there. Oh, look, what's over there? Let's walk that way. And I pull on his arm, and he insists. And before I know it, he is down on one knee. And I immediately start bawling. And uh, Mac takes my tears as ones of joy and a positive answer to his request. And I let him think that. So I fly back to Chicago with a ring on my finger. And when Khaled sees me, it's like all the air has gotten sucked out of him. See, uh, by this point, he's fallen pretty hard for me as well. And um, he's just kind of waiting for me to get to the same place. But I'm not there. I mean, I've been with Mac for five years. We are supposed to be together. And even if we're not, I mean, how can I break his heart? I can't do that. Taking that ring meant I made my choice, and I was sticking to it. So the next few months pass, and Khaled and I kind of dance around each other. And I try, I really try, but it feels like we can't find a way to stay apart. He has become my best friend at school, the one I always want to be around. And uh, I feel stuck in this place where every choice I make is the wrong one and is unfair to somebody. I spend a lot of time crying. I suppose I should thank Mac for introducing me to country music. <laughs> it makes the perfect soundtrack to my life. <laughs> After a while, it, uh, it gets to be too much. And uh, I realize that I don't want to be in West Virginia. I don't want to spend my weekends tailgating at football games I care nothing about. I don't want to think about why the fish aren't biting that day. <laughs> but what I really don't want is Mac. And coming to grips with the realization of this is simultaneously the most horrifying and freeing feeling. And I know what I have to do. I fly home. My dad drives me to West Virginia in a snowstorm, and he drops me at Mac's apartment. It's horribly sad, um, but also weirdly transactional. I give him the ring. He gives me a Tupperware my mom sent food in. <laughs> and I go home. When I get back to Chicago, um, Khaled's not there. He's back in Jordan visiting his family, and uh, so I get a couple days to be alone with my thoughts. And I'm heartbroken, uh, but also I feel so free and just so excited that I get the chance to be with somebody who makes me laugh all the time, who understands me, who likes the same things I like, and still pushes me beyond the world that I know. And maybe it won't last, but maybe it will. 
A couple days later, Khaled flies back um, from Jordan, and I go pick him up from O'Hare, and he sees my ringless finger, and he runs to give me a kiss. It's one we've waited a long time to have, and it feels so right. Not just because I wasn't drunk. <laughs> I made my choice, and this time it was the right one. Thank you. That was Mesa Salida. Mesa is enamored with the beauty of science. Through her work founding and directing the Atlanta Science Festival and as a producer for Story Collider, she spends her days trying to convince everyone else to fall in love with science. To that end, Mesa also writes, has produced radio stories, and hosted TV shows all in the name of science. She has a PhD in chemistry, has birthed two humans, and has a bizarre level of enthusiasm for shoehorns. <laughs> if, she, if she had the stamina and talent, she'd be dancing hip-hop 24-7. And we've seen Mesa dance hip-hop. It's pretty amazing. But I haven't heard her talk about shoehorns. Mesa, what's up with that? Yeah. Tell us We're going to have to dig into shoehorns next year. <laughs> <laughs> the Story Collider is grateful for the support of Elida Hill Philanthropies, of the Tiffany & Co. Foundation, and of Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science. Story Collider is led by me, Artistic Director Aaron Barker. And me, Executive Director Liz Neely. With help from Deputy Director Nissa Greenberg, Operations Support Manager Lindsay Cooper, and the rest of our amazing team. The stories featured in today's podcast were from shows produced by Aparna Kumar, Anna Kuchman, Emma Yarbrough, and Kelly Vinyl. The podcast is edited by our podcast team, which includes Zoe Saunders, Gwen Hogan, and Jun Chen. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to Wild Detectives and the Highland Inn and Ballroom Lounge for hosting these shows. And to everyone we've ever had a crush on. Yes. <laughs> Mike Evans, <laughs> Sylvia Earle. Mine might be a little bit different. Uh, Will Smith, Jeff Goldblum, Ooh. Bill Pullman. Keanu Reeves, <laughs> Maddie Sophia, Stephen Jay Gould, Nancy Drew. We can share that one. Oh, yeah. That's a common crush. There we go. <laughs> Ed Long, <laughs> Tilda Swinton, Chidi I'll let you keep Young. <laughs> And everybody else. <laughs> yes. To all of our crushes and to everyone listening, uh, thanks so much. Let's see you next week. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.